like then, bitch. That's not nice, is it? That's what he used to say you're to me. Supposed to man. say like, I know, but you're supposed to say like, you know, welcome to ego or something. You've just said it. Welcome to ego or something. I'm Nick and Craig's here. How's uh, how's West Ham getting on this year? Uh, beat Everton two one on the Fuck. day of recording. So. Fucking epic, mate. You're doing absolutely amazing. I mean, we're in the quarterfinals of the uh, Europa Cup. Yeah. I, I think we might struggle there. Leon might be the uh, the one, the team that knock us out. But to get that far in the competition is good. Um, fighting for a, a top four place, I think we'll finish top six Yeah, overall. I think we'll... Uh, struggle a bit to get top four with the squad that we've got but yeah I can't I can't complain as a West Ham fan it's uh it's not where we usually expect to be and my my daughter has had uh she's not interested in watching football but she's interested in finding out what's going on in football um and I've said to her because we've won so often this season um you know what like don't don't get excited by this this is not the West Ham way this is uh, an anomaly. Don't get used to it. You've got three players there that you'll be lucky to hold on to this summer. You've got Declan uh, Rice. I think it depends. I think it depends where we finish. Declan Rice, phenomenal player. Yeah. And if Man City or Liverpool aren't looking at him, then someone needs shooting. You've got oh, Anto- they, they have. Yeah, Antonio. Um, I, I mean, he's he's like early thirties. I don't think anyone's going to be majorly after him. Yeah, Man United, Man United, all Maybe. over him, mate. Sheringham, just remember Sheringham. Yeah, yeah. And then who's the little fella who got injured at Jared Anfield? Bowen. Yeah, Jared Bowen. He, he was having a blind and see. I think he's out now for the season, any because of the injury hey, he picked so up. He come back. He came oh, back he? today. He scored. He scored against Everton. Yeah, he. Um, we picked him up from I want to say Hull a few seasons ago, and it's one of those signings like we would do in in like the January transfer window when we left it to the last minute and picked him up and paid over the odds for him. Like I think I think he might have been about twenty million quid. And he was just like, oh, what? Like never heard of the guy. Yeah, he's been knocking goals in for you know, let's say it was Hull. Um, but, you know, that's a division lower and, you know, what's it going to be like in the Premier League? And um, he's, you know, it took him a few a few games, probably about half a season to really ramp up properly. But, uh, yeah, he's been he's been flying. And, uh, yeah, all like there has been, I think, interest from Liverpool uh, yeah, over, yeah. over for him. So... You've got a yeah. look there. You've got a hundred and fifty to two hundred million pounds worth of talent there. And again, it's that's typical West Ham, right? If you, I started going to games myself when I was about fifteen, sixteen. I go with people from like school and stuff, and I remember going to the uh, FA Youth Cup final in ninety nine, and the team that night had. Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, Michael Carrick. Yeah. Uh, was it Frank Lampard? It might have been Anton Ferdinand. Either way. Um, 
Like didn't it, the other, it, it didn't his brother play for West Ham as well? Yeah, or it might have been. No, both both of them played for West Ham. No, um, no, he did, but it would have been Rio at that point. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're probably right. And like they they were just phenomenal. But we had a really good academy at that time. But what happened was is that we didn't have a pot to piss in. So as soon as somebody said, "We're going to offer you big money," I mean, if you yeah. remember, like when Rio Ferdinand. He got sold to Leeds, didn't he? And I think it was about nineteen million or something. Yeah. And it was a big deal at that time. It that was a that oh, was huge a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think didn't he, didn't he then get signed to Man Man United for like twenty nine million a couple of seasons later or something? Yeah, he went to United. Um, Leeds imploded, didn't he? And eventually, um, yes, yeah. Off he went. Um, but that was the thing. As soon as we had a we had players that were. Um, wanted by the big clubs, we needed the money, so we just sold. And and then what you do is you sell the heart and soul of the team. So rather than actually try and compete and do some good stuff, we just sold them at the first available opportunity because Harry Redknapp was the manager and uh, he was getting backhanders left, right, and centre. So you know he was doing all right out of it. Sold the club. Um, so that that's how West Ham have always been. We've always been good at uh, cultivating players, but it's actually keeping them that's been the challenge Declan Rice is an interesting one because uh, how long has he been playing now? about four or five seasons at West Ham yeah yeah and he's had interest every every season but um, you're right in that you would think if he's going to make that move it's going to be in the next season or so rather than three or four you know because yeah. of his age so He's done well to stay at West Ham and he's had regular first team football, which is what it's all about. If he'd have gone to Chelsea ruined, who did Chelsea ruin? There was a midfielder who went to Chelsea, an English midfielder. He'd had a good season wherever he was. Oh, and I think he went to Fulham in the end. Scott Parker, wasn't he? It was Scott Parker. Oh, possibly, yeah, yeah. No, it was, yeah. He went to Chelsea and, and just sat on the bench and never never yeah, really then, made it. But, but he was brilliant. Look at, look at Mo Salah. Yeah. But Same thing. He, he went off to Roma, didn't he? And that's where we got him from. Yeah, but what I mean is, like, he, yeah, but uh, he, was at, he was at Chelsea, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at Chelsea. And he did, but it, like, he did bugger all. <clears throat> Yeah, he scored a couple of goals, but but it's I mean, like, um, go on. We sold—I can't remember who it was that we sold now, but we had a—it was a striker that we had that scored like about ten goals or something. Cheaper, we paid a lot of money for him, and we offloaded him last summer to Frankfurt, maybe. I think he scored like about thirty goals this season, yeah. and it's like, oh, why do we get rid of him? It's like well, because he wasn't scoring goals for us. And sometimes, Tevez, sometimes it's opportunity. Tevez? Not one, Tevez. no. Tevez, Tevez was scoring goals for West Ham, but the problem yeah, was yeah. that that whole deal was crooked, wasn't it? So, you know, but as soon as he went to Man United, you know, he was doing well with West Ham, but he exceeded even more. The thing is that that's sometimes just how football is. Like sometimes you can have a good player, but they don't play uh, well elsewhere. I mean, look at Jack Grealish. You know, look how he's playing for Aston Villa. And um, what's he done since he's gone to Man City? He's getting played out of position there, though. 
Well, yeah, but the, exactly the point is, is that, you know, he was at Villa and he was like the man of the moment. And now he's in Man City and he's just like a small fish in a big pond. Yeah, I think they've, they've cocked off with them. They've fucked up there buying him. Well, I, have they cocked up or has he cocked up? Because the end Better of the day, there's, they, yeah, Is I was going to say, they're still, they're, not that Man City aren't doing well, it's just they're not, they're doing well without needing to rely on him. Yeah, I mean, he's a bit of a tit, isn't he? He's, he's a young lad, locked down, he's a bit of a pisshead, driving his Jamie car. Tart. Yeah, exactly. Tart, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie Tart, defo. Um, but, I mean, Liverpool, on the other hand, we're sitting here now, and we could win all four. We've won one. I don't think we'll win all four, I'll be honest with you. I think we'll get maybe two of the four. And if, oh, it's amazing. Um, if I had to pick, <clears throat> we've won the European Cup that many times. I'm not that it's getting boring, but I'd rather win the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, I think that's the goal for, <clears throat> like, for most teams, though. I mean, if West Ham, if you said like West Ham could have like a decent league run where they could end up, you know, winning or coming second, or could have a run in Europa. Cup, which one would they rather have? Yeah, but you, you've you got know, a better chance of winning the Europa Cup, haven't you? That's the thing. No, no, a hundred percent. But that—that's what you know. What what one do you think is more prestigious to a club to win the this Premier is, League or to win a European Cup? Uh, probably the European Cup. But when you're Liverpool and you've won it six times. It, it's not that it's boring. It's just our our, our cup. Our, we we excel in the, the Champions League. We've always underachieved in the Premier League. Thirty years without winning it. Uh, we've got the best Liverpool team in a generation by by a stretch since the eighties, since nineteen ninety, since the last time we won the league. This is the greatest Liverpool team that has probably ever played football. It, it just is, but. We could still come second because Man City are just so good as well. You know, we come second with 96 points. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Any other any other season, I mean, we would we could have won the Premier League about four times, but we've been pipped all the other times. We've had put the last time we won the league in 1990. I want to say we won the league with 79 points. Off the top of my head, right? And you can't look at it like that, though, because you got to remember that, like, the, no, I know that the but, size of the league has changed, and yeah, but we've had more points than that about four or five times, and we've only won yeah. the league once because there's always been is normally Man United, just fucking astronomical. And we yeah. we we've punched above our weight for a season and got close, um, but this Liverpool team is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think we'll probably win. Um, I think we'll win the Champions League again. You win best scouts team. Oh, are yeah, without a shadow. Will That's only because that? Everton are so dog shit. Everyone have been so dog shit since the eighties. Last time they won a trophy oh, was ninety five. No. Yeah. Yeah, but 
No, but I mean, what's happened in the last two years of Everton has been catastrophic. Like, Everton don't get, they always get ideas above their station, they're a big club, but they're a mid-table club. They're always a mid-table club. But this this last couple of years have just been one disaster after another. And Frank Lampard being put in charge there has just been just the worst. Oh, it's a disaster. But I mean, yeah. I mean, Everton, right? Last time Everton won the league was 87. Last time they won the FA Cup was 95. They've nearly got relegated in the 90s with Wimbledon on the last day of the season. I think they beat them 3-2 or or 3-1 or something, but they were getting beat. They were going down at one point. This is the closest. They've finished above Liverpool once, and it was the season uh, we won the European Cup. (laughs) So we got their place in Europe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, we never. They they let both teams in in the end, and they got knocked out in the qualifiers by Valencia, I want to say, off the top of my head. But you are right, Everton has been mismanaged for now about since Moyes left, basically. Um, but it's come home to roost in the last two years. They've spent over 200, 300 million on players and they've been the wrong players. They've got no plan, no structure. They brought in Rafa Benitez. I love Rafa Benitez, but he should never have been an Everton manager. Ever in a million no, years, no. the same way he should never have managed Chelsea. I understand Colin absolutely despises them, and I understand why absolutely because we knocked them out in in that 2005 season in the semi final when the ball potentially didn't cross the line. We'll never know. Um, yeah, he ate them. He should never have done Chelsea. Should never have done Everton, but he did. And this year in particular, I mean, bringing Frank in, when he was manager of Derby, he was able to bring in some big players, some um, some big loanies, some young lads from Chelsea and stuff like that. And it was Derby was pushing for promotion. So they were flying. They didn't get promotion, but he had a good go at it. And then he went to Chelsea where me and you could manage Chelsea. And and what do we call it? Because there's such a big club with such professional players. They're all, Chelsea have got brilliant players. And he goes into the dressing room. He's Frank fucking Lampard, for God's sake. He just walks in and he's like, hey, I'm Frank Lampard. And they're all like that. Whoa. And um, even that went wrong. Yeah. But he's never had to struggle like this. Now, Everton have won four of their six home games since he took over. And the talk of in Liverpool is that the Everton fans are expecting their home form to keep them up because I don't think they've won away from home all season. They might they might have won once, but under Frank, they haven't won any away games yet. No, that way <coughs> again lost lost today. Uh, yeah, again another another away day. Um, but yeah, I think there are there are certainly managers that that shouldn't do stuff like that. I mean, um, the obvious one to me is George Graham. Yeah, like when he went to Tottenham, because oh, yeah. that that I mean that is like Benitez going to uh, to Everton. Oh no, he did. But do you know what I mean? Like you don't go to your nearest and closest rival. Yeah, it, especially when just... he's 
when he's on record saying they're a small club and he had to justify what he said. And it, and you know, and you you do see that with players occasionally. I mean, that's why um, Jermaine Defoe was like persona non grata because he handed his tra- he handed his transfer request in the day West Ham got relegated, which is bad form anyway. But then he went and joined Tottenham because he wanted to join a big club. And Sol Tottenham, Campbell. Tottenham aren't really a big club. Yeah, Sol Campbell, when he went to, he did the same thing from Arsenal to Spurs. Like you just you just you just don't do stuff like that. It's it's just it's maddening. It's maddening. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's football. Yeah, it's my life. <clears throat> so what about nineteen eighty three anyway? The well I was born. You slid out of your mars moth. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't personally remember much about it, if I'm honest. Uh, I was a little bit young, um, but it seemed to be culturally like a pretty good year. A lot of, a lot of good stuff happened in in 1983. Um, but you would have been, you would have been ten. So what was, what was being a ten year old like in 1983? So for me personally, being a ten year old in '83. Um, my nan and granddad moved out of Norris Green, where the my nana don't that had been in my nan's family for like fifty years. This house, my granddad was a builder, flattened the house basically, made it into a shell. So they moved into a house at um, Granton Road, across the road from Anfield Stadium. So in nineteen eighty three, whenever I went to my nan and granddad's house. It was across the road from Anfield. So we used to be able to go, there was a football pitch at the back of the house. We used to be able to go and play footy in that footy pitch whilst Liverpool were playing. So you could hear the roar of the crowd and all that. It was absolutely amazing. But also you had the smash hits going on. Um, Me auntie at the time was like into all the bands, the police. Um, Is she not your auntie anymore? She's still an auntie now, like I haven't seen her for about <laughs> 15 years. Um, but she was like Spandau Ballet, all the fucking ABC, all them bands. She was yep. into them. Yep, yep, yep. And she used to let us play her records. She used to get the Smash It magazine, all that. And then in the films, I mean, it was a huge year for Star Wars because of Return of the Jedi, getting ahead of myself. But... I can remember vividly sitting in the booth of my uncle's Capri with my cousin as he dropped us off at the cinema that I where you went for the shit the other day. He dropped us off there. You'd have to listen to the Liverpool um, exclusive episode on Patreon to get to the bottom of that. But basically, you went for the shit where I queued up for ET we went to see a Star Wars hat-trick of films, starting with you know, Star Wars and New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, accumulating in Return of the Jedi, flasks full of tea, sandwiches, crisps, all that. We sat in the pictures all day, basically, and watched the two films back-to-back. Absolutely phenomenal. So the music of 83 is absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, I think I think eighties music anyway. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's got to be one of the best decades for 
for music. And I think what's interesting now is you're seeing people that were born, you know, turn of the uh, the millennia, that go eighties music sounds like shit. Yeah, yeah. But my kids, to me, my kids think it's shit. Yeah, yeah. But but to me. 80s music holds up incredibly well. I mean, not not everything, but then you can say the same about any decade. Like, but there but there are certain songs and certain bands and certain artists that still now sound great. Like to me, uh, Madonna, who didn't debut in 1983, uh, but not long after. Um, but she, well, actually, maybe she did have a first in 80. It doesn't matter. Um, but her 80s work is still her best work. Yeah, she's I think, still churning stuff out now, but it's nothing like it was. I think she was eighty-five off the top of my head, but I'm guessing. <clears throat> um, I think it's when she blew up. Yeah. So yeah. all night long by Lionel Richie. Oh, we're going to do the top ten. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I found out. I found out what my what was the number one song. Oh, go uh, on. The day I was born, it was "Baby Jane" by Rod Stewart. Oh, see, that, which is that, a real banger. It's a banger, but I would have said that was seventies, not eighty-three. That's weird. Yeah, that. he also had so eighty-three because I, I for years I, th- I I misread it. I think, but I thought Young Turks by Rod Stewart was number one when I was born, but it wasn't. I think that came a few weeks later or a few months later. But yeah, eighty-three was actually quite a big year for Rod Stewart. Wow. So, I'll have to have a look yeah, at that. But yeah, Baby Jane. Baby Jane is the one. Baby Jane. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That sounds, um, sounds like the original. But yeah, only, the, top ten, the top ten of the year. Yeah, so you've got All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Yeah. Peaked at number two, but made the top ten. Yeah. Um, only You by The Flying Pickets. Which to me is is almost the greatest Christmas number one that ever was, because I I mean only you because this was a cover of the Yazoo song from yeah, yeah. I think the previous Christmas that I think might have peaked at number two maybe maybe um, it wasn't it wasn't the Christmas number one but. I mean, I I love the Yazoo version, but as you say, the Flying Pickets actually got to number one with it, and they were they were a weird band, weren't they, the Flying Pickets? Because if I remember, I watched a thing about them recently, and they were like the Flying Pickets is because they were people that were on the picket line. Yeah. Um, I think the mining miner strikes was what they were picketing, but um. Yeah, they were they were people that met via that, and they formed the band, and that's what that's what they did. And they used to basically they use their voices as the instruments. But when you watch yes. Top of the Pops now, it, their voices are synthed to fuck, literally. Yes. But but do you know what? At the time, I can remember sitting in my aunties watching Top of the Pops. As a ten-year-old, with me Star Wars figures, absolutely loving it. Um, the number eight song, Billie Jean, Michael Jackson. Yep, quite amazing. 
because um, such a huge song, but it was only number eight in 83. I mean, it's off the Thriller album, I think, off the top of my head, is it? Um, which was uh, a huge I think, album. I think it was a Thriller, and I think that's probably why it, it's only there, because everyone had the album. But uh, Michael Jackson released a lot of singles off his albums. I mean, when he does bad, I, he almost releases the entire album as singles. He's not far oh, off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for about about three years after Bad comes out, yeah, yeah. like every year there's a couple of singles off that album that have been released. It's nuts. Um, Down Under, Men at Work. I mean, I, I mean, you could say it's culturally uh, rude, I suppose, but it was written and performed by Australian artists, so it can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and has some, has some cracking, has some cracking lyrics in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, everyone's favourite is uh, he smiled and gave me his Vegemite sandwich. Yeah. Now I remember this song because one of my aunties used to go debt collecting in about '87. So I used to sit. So what it was was, um, she got paid. So all these. It was a debt collecting agency. She would go round in her car and knock on people's houses and say, you owe Grattan's catalogue 40 quid. How much can you pay back? And they'd go 50p a week. And she'd go, okay, I'll come and collect 50p a week off you every week until you've paid it off. And I used to sit in the car and mine the money, basically. And uh, she had this mixtape. And that song was on this mixtape. And we only ever listened to that mixtape. Fucking weird. Um, true, Spandau Ballet. Fucking tune, I that mean, Yeah. Total Eclipse of the Heart, Bonnie Tyler. Turn Around Bright Eyes. Let's Dance, David Bowie. I hate that song. I hate it so um, much. I... I like Let's Dance, but it's obviously one of those songs that was has been overplayed over the years. Yeah, yeah, um, that's why it's got that distinct. It. It's got that distinct um, chic production from Nile Rogers. Is this the one where uh, he wanted he wanted a number one? Bowie said I want a number one. And he was trying Possibly. to reinvent himself and whoever it was who wrote it, give him this fucking number one bang. And yeah, it's, it's, well, I, I don't know if Noel Rogers wrote the song, but he, he certainly did like the production for it. And David Bowie's output for the next few years was very, uh, it was pretty much done by Noel Rogers. But no, I don't. I disagree. But, but at the same time, as you say, it was completely different to his 70s output. Yeah. Like one thing about David Bowie, and you saw this like the next decade, which we won't go into on a future episode, but you know his work in the nineties was even more experimental than the work in the eighties. But it was what was what was happening at the time. Like he was always reinventing himself to be relevant to that decade. Yeah, but he's an old man at this point. Shit. So. 40. Yeah, exactly. Speaking Same of forty. Sh- same as you um, Red Red Wine UB40 another song that I struggle to listen to 
Nah, it's it's garbage, mate. I, uh, UB40 are one of those bands that I really just do not uh, have yeah. much time but or respect for. But they get so much airplay, especially in the 80s, and this song was played to death. Yeah. Uh, Uptown Girl, Billy Joel. I can remember playing, pressing record on the video recorder on Top of the Pops. This song, I don't think he ever played it live in the Top of the Pops studio. I think it was, it always used to play out. It was number one for a while, and it mm. used to play out the show every week, the video. And it was his beard, his wife, or whatever was the beard. They in met, it. I believe they met making the video, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christy Brinkley, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's a cracking little video, um, yeah, sound. And then Karma Chameleon Culture Club. Oh, my God. Literally one of the... This is the this is in the top ten songs of the 80s. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, it, it has such a distinct sound. It, it really sounded like nothing else. And then you throw into the mix Boy George, who knew no one knew uh, what to make of Boy George yeah. um, in the 80s because he was so out there in his, in his style. Oh, he's um, gorgeous. But absolutely stunning. Gorgeous George. But it's one of those songs, like you say, ah. that is so synonymous with the 80s. It's untrue. But I tell you, you look at that list of songs... That is a family wedding or family party in the eighties with a DJ. Not oh, a bag like of playlist, but, but, but it, all of those songs would have been played. Yeah, yeah, played you know, to death. Uh, now, disco. I want to say the Christmas of eighty three would have been. It might be the Christmas of eighty four. Um, I need to do my own work to be honest. But we would. We Too used late. to be. Yes, exactly. We used to go to my nan's for New Year's Eve, and my nan and granddad would do a big New Year's Eve party every year. All the old ones would be in the front room, drinking the shorts, smoking their cigarettes. Um, all the young ones would be in the back room. And when I say the young ones, I mean my aunties and uncles. And then the kids were just allowed to run riot. And one of my most vivid memories is... And the video of it exists, which I'll never see because it's in my ma's house. But the video of it exists where the play in Russ Albert's atmosphere. And so it is just pure nostalgia, that song for me. And I want to say it's 83. I really hope it is 83. Um, because the memories of it are so vivid. Me and me, my cousin are walking around, mind-sweeping, ale, um, drinking, we, we had a jug, measuring jug, and we're going round, and there's mild, and there's bitter, and there's lager, and we're just pouring it all into this jug and then drinking it. And it was just brilliant. Um, and it makes me sad that I'll never like see me nan and granddad and all that again. It's fucking grim. I see even nineteen eighty five that was released. So that must have been I was wrong. Christmas eighty five. So two years wow, later. That's when atmosphere. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing that. I mean Russ Abbott there is at the height of his powers. See you, Jimmy, and all that with his uh, his his uh, 
I can't remember what it was called, the Russ Abbott show. That Dust, remember Dustin G and um, what was his I name? was too young to, for Dustin G, um, but Les Dennis and Dusty, Dustin yeah. G were the uh, the two some, and then uh, Dustin because Dustin G died, didn't he, on state? Or, yeah, he did. I think he just finished. He just finished a panto or something. He had an heart attack. Yeah, died. Yeah. Fucking sad. Yeah, he wasn't that old, was he? No, it was in the eighties. I think it was in the 80s, yeah, yeah when he died. So, yeah. um, I mean, the films, where is, I'll do the top four on this one because I've seen all of these films. Fucking unbelievable. Every one of these films is an absolute banger. So you've got Trading Places. I mean, is this generation of people, are these offended now? Has this got to have a warning on the start? Uh, Trading Places? Possibly. Don't know. The N-word is used a couple of times in that film, I seem to remember. Yeah, I think it's depend- I think it depends on who uses it, but yes. You would say that that's probably, that's probably yeah. true. It, to me, this is a Blazing Saddles level of film, this, where now, if I was to sit down with our Eve to try and watch this... I would be rolling around crying with laughter and she would be mortally offended by it. I think. Right. Um, now, that was number four with 90 million. Number three, Flashdance. Uh, what a feeling. Um, never seen Flashdance, but it's one of those films where you see so many like clips and like spoofs of it that you feel like you know the film. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's not one. Trading Places, like, I, I don't think I've ever watched Trading Places all the way through, but it was one of those films that ITV would always have on like over Christmas. Yeah, it was in the video so, shop. I always remember it in the yeah. video shop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Flashdance was just one of those ones that I just never, never really saw. But I mean, obviously Flashdance, what a feeling. Absolute banger of a track. Um and uh yeah, a lot of people liked it. I'm sure there was some boobs in it as well, I seem to remember. Um Tutti yeah, right. number two, hundred oh uh, Flash Dance was ninety two million, Tutti hundred and seventy seven million. So I think isn't that what Dustin Hoffman won an Academy Award for? Yes. And at I've never uh I've never seen it. It's the one where um <coughs> before that interruption there, Tootsie, never seen it. Um I know what? it's about Yeah, like again, seen bits and pieces of it. I've just never watched the whole film. So I know it's about Dustin Hoffman having to dress up as a lady in order to get a job. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, a, he won the award for it. So It's an acting job, if I remember rightly, and it's on a soap opera, an American soap right. opera. I think right. it's a hospital soap opera, which it just would have been, wouldn't it? Because it was 80s America. Yeah. Um, but again, I think there's boobs in it, so... There's a lot of boobs in the 80s. I'm sure there's boobs in trading places. <gasps> Jamie Lee Curtis boobs. 
Jamie Lee boobs. Yeah, Jamie Lee boobs. Um, and then the number one film of 1983 is Nicholas. Nicholas, Turn of the Jedi. Oh, now Massive. I had the Panini, yeah, I had the Panini sticker album with this. Um, I had several of the figures. My cousins had more of the figures. They had the Millennium Falcon. I never got the Millennium Falcon. Um, but what an absolute monster film this was. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine what the hype was around it. Um, because at that time, obviously, you couldn't buy films on video. You had to wait for films to... If you didn't see them at the cinema, you had to wait for films to come on TV, which took years. Um and Star Wars was, you know, the biggest thing from oh, 1977 till about 1985, when it yeah. eventually, you know, started to die off. Um, but yeah, I can imagine the hype around that was just uh, huge at the time. So, um, yeah, amazing stuff. We lost Boba Fett, never well, to be seen again. Never, no one ever heard of him ever again. That's true. Where, where um, is he now? Well, exactly. Um, so I can see the best-selling albums were th- uh, Thriller by Michael Jackson, yeah. which we've already talked about. Uh, no Parlays by Paul Young. Yeah. Um, Colour by Numbers by Culture Club. Um, obviously, probably based just on Karma Comedian alone, but I know there's more songs off that album, obviously. Um, Let's Dance by Bowie which I looked at the track listing, like the first three tracks on that album are absolute bangers. Like he, my favourite song of Burry's from the 80s is Modern Love, and that's the opening track on that album. Modern Love. Have I heard that fantastic. song? Huh? Have I heard that song? I don't know. I'll send I'll you a link to it, though. Um, and what I, what I just found out is that... Um, uh, China China Girl was uh, written by Bowie and Iggy Pop. Okay. So, there you go. I'm sure Modern Love has got something to do with Iggy Pop as well, but it doesn't say that on the on the album notes I was looking at. Um, and Fantastic by Wham! Which, yeah. I guess, was like their penultimate, or it had to be one of their last uh like hits, uh, sorry, not the hits, albums, because they'd break up in 85. I think they only had two albums sorry. off the top of my head. I don't know. I don't know. I had the greatest hits, but, yeah, they didn't have many albums. I don't know that much. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just looking at it on it now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, mate, what a year. What a year to be yeah. alive. What a year yeah. to be born. Yeah. But there's more to come in 1993. Is there? No, was there? Good days, 